hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. This is your hostess with the mostest, Valencia. And if you are new here, the Oh My Allergies podcast is a podcast about all things allergies. Whether you have food allergies, seasonal allergies, skin allergies, or even your pet has allergies, Oh My Allergies is a safe space for discussions for those that need a bit of advice and support from someone who understands their struggle. Let's learn how to navigate life and learn how to thrive with our allergies together. Hey guys, welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. And if this is your first time listening, or even if this is not your first time listening, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss out on really great future episodes and episodes like this one that I'm going to talk about today. And make sure that you rate and review the podcast as it helps so much to be able to help us grow the Oh My Allergies community. And make sure that you are sharing the podcast with everyone that you know and everyone that you don't even know. Like your mom, your dad, your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, your friends, etc. Just make sure that you are sharing it and because sharing is caring. So in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about what you should not say to someone who has allergies because there's a lot of things that you shouldn't say. Because it's just either comes across as being either insensitive or dismissive or just downright mean and rude. So I'm just going to be talking about different questions and different statements that a lot of people say and how you can take a different approach and ask a question but say it in a more way that is helpful, supportive, and really just shows that you're trying to be an ally for the food allergy community. But before I get into today's episode, you guys know I have to talk about what's been going on. So what's been going on with me is that I've lately been watching this show on Netflix called All American, and it's a new show that I recently, well not recently, recently, like last week recently, but I've been watching it um, like off and on, like on the weekends or like during lunch breaks and things of that nature, and it's such a good show. So basically the show is about this guy. His name is Spencer James and he is a high school football player and he is an A student and he goes to South Crenshaw High School. But there's um, a coach from Beverly Hills High School. His name is Billy Baker and he recruits him to join his team in Beverly Hills. And so Spencer's mom and his best friend Coop uh, convince him to seize the opportunity and really take advantage of being able to have an out out of Crenshaw. And so he moves in with Coach Baker and his family to be able to protect his transfer to Beverly. And just this, there's just so much that has happened on this show. And there's only two seasons of it right now. And to be honest, I didn't even know this show existed. So when I first found it on Netflix, I thought it was a new Netflix show that I just didn't know about. And I didn't even know that this show not only came out in 2018, but it's a show that's on CW. I was like, wait, what? Wait, 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 wait. I was like, what? I was like so confused. But to be fair, I haven't really watched CW since probably around like 2017 so that probably has a lot to do with it but I will say that there are some shows that are on the CW that I know about like Supergirl which I know was originally on CBS and then they changed it to be on CW and I know like Black Lightning when that first came out I knew about it and Stargirl so 
even though I haven't seen the CW in like three-ish years and when I was watching the CW it was mainly because of the show like The Flash and Arrow and shows like that and I did watch Riverdale on there but then Riverdale just got really creepy and then I just stopped watching it so it's something that during quarantine I want to kind of get caught up on Riverdale and we started but then we stopped again because it was really creepy so I think I'm just gonna put my big girl panties on and just like watch Riverdale because I'm interested in it but it's kind of like really like when it first came out I compared it to like Pretty Little Liars but like on steroids as far as like the creepiness of it but yeah but back to the show All-American it's a really good show I highly recommend it there's just there's just so many things that happen in this show. I don't want to give any spoilers out, but for it to only have two seasons, there's just so much that happens within the two seasons of the show. But yeah, that's basically what's been going on with me. I've been watching that. Of course, I've been, you know, working on the podcast. I've been doing work because I do have jobs and I've been attending my PR course, which has been going pretty well. Um, I actually had a course earlier today that I went to for that uh, program and it was really interesting but yeah just the same old same old um I wanted to talk to you guys about this show I've been watching on Netflix because I know a lot of people are watching a lot of Netflix right now and a lot of people want show suggestions so this should definitely be on your like TBW your to be watched list because it's a really really good show and I was so funny because I saw an article online from the the creator I think of All American and it was a BuzzFeed article and basically the article was talking about how the show ended up really becoming so so popular because of it being on Netflix and during quarantining like it is a part of like Netflix's top trending shows right now so it's really doing really well on the Netflix platform so I'm really happy especially because it's a predominantly black cast and it's just a really good show Tay Diggs is in the show um there's like some actors that I recognize from other projects like Cody Christian I know he played Arya Montgomery's his brother on Pretty Little Liars so there's like some people that I recognize from the show that I'm like oh okay and but I'm still like confused as to like why I didn't know about it until it being on Netflix but yeah that's what's been going on with me so I guess I can get right into my foodie likes you guys know I like sparkling water I talk about it all the time so this week's favorite of sparkling water has been like from aha sparkling water and it's the flavored peach honey and you guys know I'm a sucker for a really good peach sparkling water so when I saw this at the store I was like yes I definitely have to try this out so we got it from the grocery store and then I tried it and I was a little iffy about it because I'm not the biggest fan of honey and because when I think of honey I think of honey equals it's something being like super super sweet and I just don't really like sweet things like I used to like years 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 and years ago so I was kind of like but I tried it and I was like this actually doesn't taste that bad now there is a little bite of an aftertaste from the honey that tastes a little bit bitter in my opinion but overall I would say that the flavor of it tastes really good and would I buy it again yeah I would get it again um, but my favorite peach sparkling water is hands down the one from Perrier. Now that flavor is a lot more bolder than this one. So, but I would still say this AHA one is good. And I've tried AHA before and I've talked about it on the podcast before. My favorite one is the one that I think it's like the citrus green tea one, which is an interesting one. I think it's citrus green tea and lemon lime, 
which is a really different flavor but it tastes really good and then I know I've tried their like watermelon lime one before I think that's the flavor and that one was really good too but I mean the peach one wasn't bad like I said but it's not my favorite aha flavor but I would try it again and drink it again but if it was between having the Perrier peach sparkling water and then having the aha peach honey sparkling water I would pick Perrier hands down and um, another one of my foodie likes has been from the brand Bigelow because I'm a big tea drinker I love tea if you looked in my family's pantry we have so much tea we have so many boxes of tea it's actually pretty crazy like I was one day I was trying to organize the pantry and the amount of boxes of just tea that we just have just like in the pantry we just have so like I feel like we're a grocery store like we have chamomile we have like lemon like so many different types of lemon we have like lemon zinger lemon ginger ginger lemon which is basically the same thing we have like a citrus green tea we have green tea we have matcha green tea we have sweet and spicy tea we have chamomile tea we have mint tea we have so many different types of tea hot and cold like I feel like I'm a Starbucks honestly I feel like our house is a Starbucks but anyway but my favorite teas lately have been Bigelow's just old-fashioned like green tea that's been really good especially because my allergies have been flaring up a little bit from like the pollen outside and summer allergies and things like that so me and my mom we have been drinking like tea a lot to be able to help with our allergies because there's antihistamines and green tea so it's really good tip if you have allergies it's really good to drink green tea during allergy season or whatever because it really helps in combination like with your medicine and stuff like that so highly recommend that and then also what I've been doing um, with the green tea is yeah I've been having it by itself but also I'll mix tea bags so I'll have like a tea bag of the Bigelow green tea and then a tea bag of the traditional medicinals is organic nettle leaf tea which nettle leaf tea is supposed to be really good for your allergies too and so what got me on that was because I saw an article talking about a tea that's really good for you if you have allergies and helps with being able to relieve your symptoms and so really got interested in learning a lot about nettle tea and did a lot of research on it and then was really interested and then my mom went and bought it from the grocery store and so we've been trying it out and it tastes really good like well okay I'll say this it's definitely for an acquired taste to me I compare it to green tea because not a lot of people like hot green tea because it's on the bitter side and nettle tea is like that as well in the sense that it tastes like very grassy so if that's not your thing then like you probably won't really enjoy it but I'm not saying that I enjoy it I'm saying that it helps me with my symptoms so it's like okay would I rather not drink it and then have it where my allergies like really really get to me or drink it and then have it relieve my symptoms that's kind of like my thought process when it comes to drinking that tea so I'll mix having the Bigelow green tea with the organic nettle leaf tea and then drink that and then I'll have a like a few cups of that throughout the day and like I'm good to go so highly recommend trying out that duo if you have a lot of environmental allergies seasonal allergies whatever because it really does help me so maybe you might want to try that for you and see if that works for you what else I think those are all of my foodie likes right now. It's mainly just been drinks because I've been having the same food over and over again. And yes, I have a lot of go-to for like snacks and stuff like that and foods. 
but I don't think you guys want to hear me talk about the same foods each week over and over and over and over again. If you do, let me know because I don't mind saying the same things each week, but I try to diversify it and like switch things up and like really when going to the grocery store trying to find new things to try so that I can talk to you guys about them and talk about my opinions on whether I like them or don't like them and just really experiment with a lot of different things which is the whole purpose of this segment so yeah so with that being said I guess I can get right into the allergy news so this week allergy news is about how 85 million Americans avoid buying food with top nine allergens. It's an article from Forbes, surprisingly. And so in the article, it talks about how there is a new study that was conducted by FAIR, which is the Food Allergy Research and Education Organization. And in their study, it reveals that, like I said, 85 million Americans or one out of four Americans avoid buying food with top nine allergens in it because either they have allergies or people in their households have allergies. So when they talk about top nine allergens, so the top nine allergens are milk, wheat, a sesame, tree nuts, soy, fish, shellfish, and peanuts. So according to FAIR, they had said that new research shows that while 32 million Americans currently live with life-threatening food allergies, that there's this halo effect that extends to nearly triple that number with more than 85 million Americans or one in four Americans that are impacted by the disease. And so what a lot of families tend to do and I know this from experience, that to make sure that a specific family member is not exposed to an allergen is that they just altogether just stop buying any food with that specific allergen altogether. So even only one person has um, a life-threatening reaction just to be on the absolute safer side. So this just makes people's home safer for the person with allergies. And it also shows like this sense of like solidarity and it just makes things easier when planning meals so like most of the time the whole family might follow like a diet free of allergens and then this change could heavily influence all purchase and decisions from here on out so they might just be like oh well I might just go like dairy free so if one person's dairy free then the whole family might go dairy free or if one person's going gluten free because for like health reasons and having allergies to gluten then the whole family's like gluten free and that makes sense because it just makes things easier because instead of just buying for like one person it just makes sense long term to just buy for the household it just makes more sense at least in my mind it does just because like you're buying like just like one-offs of different things or little smaller portions of things when you know sometimes depending on how big your family size is it might be more economical for you to buy in bulk or buy bigger quantities and things like that so it just makes it easier and then plus like for a person who might be I don't know like for me for an example um, this doesn't have anything to do with allergies but it's similar in the effect of one person eats a certain way so the whole family starts eating a certain way so my mom was the first person in my family that was a vegetarian and so growing up you know, I was a vegetarian, that's how I ate, you know, it was just easier for the household, because that's how she was eating, you know, that's what she was cooking, so it just makes sense for you to raise a household where everybody's vegetarian, everyone eats vegetarian, that type of thing, 
And so when I started eating um, chicken when I grew up and, you know, my mom gave me that flexibility to be able to taste other different types of foods, to be able to find out whether or not I wanted to make that choice to be a vegetarian myself, you know, it got a little bit harder because, you know, she would buy chicken, but it would just be chicken for me and then like she wouldn't eat it and then it just made things a lot more expensive for the whole family. So I ended up becoming a vegetarian, but by choice because that's what I wanted to do. And in my episode where I talk about my vegetarian journey, I get a little bit more into my full-on journey with being a vegetarian, to being a flexitarian, to being a vegetarian again. But long story short, for some families, it just makes it easier for everyone just to eat the same way. So one thing that I thought that was really interesting from this article is that they say that consumers spend $19 billion. Yeah, I didn't say million, I didn't say $19, $19 billion per year on allergen-free food products, and 71% spend three to five minutes reading labels on each item that they buy, which I self-identify with that because I know when me and my mom, we go to the grocery store, I'm constantly looking at labels and making sure that I'm not missing anything and making sure that I catch any alternate names that might be showing up in the ingredients list that it might not say milk, but if it says something like casein or if I see whey or something like that, I know that means that there's milk in it. So another quote from the article that they say that Fair shared was that more than half, so 53% of America's food allergy consumers indicate that current labels are problematic and 71% say that they spend time reading the labels of every single food item they purchase and improving precautionary allergen labels, so PALS, will significantly improve the lives of these families. And so... I personally do believe that there should be some sort of more enforced labels on foods to be able to make sure that people who have individuals in their households that have food allergies are able to be aware of what allergens could potentially be in the foods that their families are buying so they make sure that they avoid it. And one thing that I've noticed is that food allergy awareness is something that is growing more and more, you know, not only in the United States, but really just across the world. And I've realized that from interacting with so many people from the allergy community that are in different countries, they might be in the UK, they might be in, I don't know, Japan, or they might be in, you know, so many different parts of the world. And that's great. And it's really important because as allergies continue to be an issue, companies really need to make a better consumer-friendly labels that list all potential allergens on those labels. Because as more and more people are finding out that they have allergies, specifically food allergies, you know, they're going to need to make sure that that's at the forefront when they're coming up with their business plans and trying to come up with their um, annual plans for their food products and stuff like that each year because more and more people are getting it. So you're going to have to start accommodating to those types of people because if you don't, then they're just simply not going to buy your food. So it just makes sense just to make more labels that are able to help with improving the lives of food allergic families. But that is the allergy news. I found this specific article to just be really informational and really cool. So 
like always, the allergy news article will be linked in the show notes so you guys can take a look at it as well and be able to get a deeper dive into the article. But usually I like talking about some of the highlights from when I read the article, what stood out to me, and then be able to expand on those topics. So with that being said, I guess I can get right into today's topic, which is what you should not say to someone who has food allergies or just allergies in general. So like I said, today's topic is all about what you should not say to someone who has allergies. So I was inspired to do this episode about what you should not say to someone with allergies from an Instagram post. So there is this photo that went around within the food allergy community that Mark Wahlberg posted on his Instagram page. And the picture was of his back and he looked like he had completed, you know, an allergy test. So his caption of the image was, it only took me 49 years to realize I'm allergic to almost everything. And then he put like this green throwing up emoji in his caption. So this photo and the comments, honestly, They just made me so annoyed because a lot of the comments consisted of people either like making jokes about allergies, including celebrities making jokes about them. And from the comments on his Instagram post, I just quickly realized that not everyone knows about allergies and everything that comes with having them. And I just saw some just really outrageous comments on his photo. So I have some in front of me right now and I'm going to read them to you guys. So one person said, if you end up being allergic to wine, I call dibs on the seller. Another person said, and it's a celebrity, actually it's Chris Pratt. He said, I'm no doctor, but based on the inflammation near the puncture marks, it looks like you're allergic to getting poked by needles. (sighs) Okay, so another person said that those look more like bed bug bites and... Another person said, as long as you're not allergic to your wife, your kids, your dogs slash dogs, everything else, meh. Which, okay, these are just getting me really re-frustrated again. And then the last comment I'm gonna read to you guys said this, and it was honestly so left field and filled with so much incorrect information. It was, it was just crazy. So, um, okay, let me just read it. The comment said, did he eat shrimp or seafood? Usually the anaphylactoid is released only after medication or seafood. Maybe it happened after an anti-allergic injection of chlorphenamine happened, question mark. So on his post, I actually left a few comments responding to some of these insensitive and just very far left field comments but like I had to leave a comment on the last one I just read you guys so a lot of people left a comment on this particular comment saying things like stop sharing your wrong information thanks and who told you that any severe allergy can cause anaphylaxis my son had anaphylaxis reactions to milk eggs and nuts And another comment was, the information that you are stating is wrong. I've been an allergy parent for 18 years. I'm also an RN and almost a nurse practitioner. So this post just made me really reflect and honestly re-inspired me to just really keep my eye on the whole mission of this podcast and to keep this going and to really encourage others to keep raising and spreading awareness about various types of allergies because the amount of people who are just straight up ignorant on the topic of allergies so whether it's food allergies seasonal allergies skin allergies whatever it 
it's just really astounding to be completely honest and it's just really really sad and with all that being said today I'm going to be talking about some of the most annoying and honestly stupidest things either that I've heard being said to people I know with allergies or has been said to me as a person who has allergies I wanted to do an episode about this because some of the reactions I've received personally when it comes to explaining my allergies have ranged from either being straight up dismissive to people feeling bad for me and pitying me or just saying something so off the wall that is just offensive and rude And to be honest, I don't think people are trying to be mean or rude or have ill intentions. Well, I mean, I hope that is the case. I truly do. But I think that unless you grew up with someone who has allergies, currently you know someone who has allergies or you've experienced them yourself, you will just most likely be ignorant towards the whole topic of allergies. It's okay to not know, but to continually live in ignorance or choose to live in ignorance is what can be harmful, especially to people around you who have allergies. So it's important to know like the whole rundown of what you should not say to someone who has allergies. So this episode is for all the people out there who either have friends who have allergies, have family members who have allergies, you're dating someone who has allergies, you're married to someone who has allergies, etc. So let's just get right into the statements and the questions. So the first statement is, I know how you feel. Okay, I'm just going to be straight up honest. If you personally don't have allergies, then there is a 99.999% chance that you don't know how we truly feel. You just don't. You don't know what it's like to be in a position where you're out with your friends and there's nothing for you to eat there and you let your friends know you have allergies but they are dismissive towards you telling them. You don't know what it's like going to the grocery store and having to check labels and knowing that although you check the label, a lot of food companies have alternate names for allergens so you could be purchasing a product with your allergen and not even know it. You don't know what it's like socializing with allergies, shopping with allergies. You don't know what it's like traveling with allergies. You don't know what it's like going out to eat with allergies. You just don't. And you don't know what it's like to have to carry around medication in case something pops off in the public and you need immediate relief. You don't know what it's like having an anaphylactic reaction and feeling like you're going to pass out and maybe even die. So no You don't know the stress and the anxiety that people with allergies experience day in and day out. So instead of saying, I know how you feel, maybe try saying something like, I don't know how you feel, but I'm here for you to help you, to support you, and to be there for you in any way that I can. Because this shows that although you may not understand what we're truly going through, nor will you ever experience what I go through every day, You want to learn how you can be an ally and you support me and that really goes a long way. Honestly, it does. There are so many people in my life, whether people that I thought were my friends, just didn't want to learn about my allergies, nor did they care when it came to going out. And it really just hurt me, to be honest, because you not caring about my allergies is telling me that you don't care about my health, which is telling me you don't care about me. So, yeah. So the next statement slash question is, oh, you're lactose intolerant, right? So I get this question so much 
when I try to explain to people how I have a milk allergy because for some reason people think lactose intolerant and a milk allergy are one and the same which is beyond me because last time I checked I'm pretty sure lactose intolerant and milk allergy do not sound the same nor do they look the same in writing so I end up having to tell people that I'm vegan to just be able to make sure that I purely avoid milk products, which is absolutely crazy. So if I have to take the time to explain that I have a milk allergy and you just follow up with saying, oh, we have lactose-free, you know, fill in the blank or X, Y, Z, whatever, my first reaction is A, did I say lactose intolerant? B, if I meant lactose intolerant, I would have said that, and C, a milk allergy is not a synonym for being lactose intolerant, hence why one is an allergy and one is an intolerance. Just to keep things short and sweet, since I plan on actually doing a full-on episode about this topic, milk allergy deals with your immune system, whereas being lactose intolerant deals with your digestive system. So really a good approach towards this type of question instead of saying oh you're lactose intolerant right try saying well can you explain what a milk allergy is is that the same thing as being lactose intolerant because this shows that you are genuinely interested in learning instead of just being all like ignorance is bliss about allergies which is just a big no you can't be like that when it comes to allergies because in some instances an allergic reaction can quickly turn into a life or death situation So you can't just be like ignorant and stuff. So it's really goes a long way, like I said, to ask those types of questions and just not be afraid to ask those quote unquote stupid questions because honestly, somebody's thinking of it and you are not probably the first person to ask that question. So it just really shows that you are interested in learning. So another question is, do you think you'll outgrow your allergy or do you think your child will outgrow their allergy? So, okay, do you remember when you were younger and you used to play with maybe, I don't know, like Barbie dolls or American Girl dolls or play with Hot Wheel cars and then as you got older, like your interests changed so you stopped playing with those things as much? Yeah, allergies don't work like that. I know some people probably don't mean any harm by that question, and it's honestly a good question, especially with a lot of research studies being conducted about the possibility of certain allergies being cured, but allergies overall are complex. You know, allergies are not a phase that you quote-unquote grow out of and that they aren't things that just come and go. It's not like, oh, I have allergies today and then the next day you don't have them. That's just not how it works. So this question honestly sounds like you are undermining how severe allergies can be and are when you act like allergies are something that people can get over like an ex-boyfriend or like an ex-best friend. So instead of asking, do you think you'll outgrow your allergy or do you think your child will outgrow their allergy? Try saying, you know, it sounds like there's a lot of interest in research being done around XYZ allergy and then maybe get into a discussion about research about the possibility of certain allergies being cured. Don't like, like I said, just don't undermine somebody's allergies and how severe that they can be because it just doesn't come across the right way. It really doesn't. So another question that is commonly asked is, how do you survive without eating, you know, insert X, Y, and Z food here because it's so good? And this question is honestly so annoying. Like, 
I'm just rolling my eyes right now as I'm thinking about this question because I've been asked this question so many times that it's just not even funny. I don't think people honestly even think when they are asking this question because I would like to know what they are expecting for people to say to this question. I don't really need to hear your five-minute speech on why cheese pizza is amazing or how I haven't even lived until I've had a macadamia nut cookie. You know, that's all information that I don't need to know, nor do I want to know, and it's not helpful hearing your little speech like you just won an award at field day or at the Oscars. We get it. We're missing out on something that's quote-unquote so good, and you telling me a story is not doing anyone any favors, so it's just best just to keep it to yourself. So instead of asking, how do you survive without eating, you know, an X, Y, and Z food because it's so good, try asking, how are you doing with managing your allergies? I'm here if you need to talk. Because this shows that you're opening to listening, which is really important, and also learning, which is also as equally as important. Because you want to learn about the person's experiences, and you are extending an open ear to listen. So another question is, can't you just eat your allergen to cure it and just to get this simple and sweet there isn't a cure for allergies now i'm allergy immunotherapy it is a thing and if you're not familiar with allergy immunotherapy it's basically a medical practice where you expose someone to their allergen a little bit at a time in order to suppress that person's immune systems response so however that is you know, is possible for some allergens. It's not possible for allergies that are really severe and certainly not the ones that are life-threatening, aka the ones that cause anaphylaxis. So please don't ask a question like that. Please don't. Please don't. Again, it sounds like you are undermining somebody's severe allergies and it sounds like you just don't care. So just don't ask that question. So another statement that is commonly said is, I feel so bad for you. Now, yes, managing food allergies, it can be challenging, it can be stressful, it can make you feel very anxious, and it can be frightening, but it's not a tragedy, okay? This is not a Shakespeare play, okay? We're doing just fine, so can you just please cancel that pity party you were just about to throw because we don't need it? nor do we want it because it just makes everything so awkward for everyone so just because our immune systems might be a little bit finicky we are relatively normal for the most part okay so yeah don't throw a pity party we will just look at you like you're crazy so just don't do it um what's another thing oh another thing that comes to mind is oh you'll find something to eat like when someone says that type of thing okay when you have a food allergy you are just so much more alert when it comes to where you're eating at because you just want to make sure you check out the place first to make sure you can actually eat something that's air eat something that's there that's what I meant not eat something that air because that's what it sounded like to me when I was hearing myself anyway So I always go to a restaurant's website and like check out their menu and like their allergen policy beforehand just to be on the safe side. So let's say you're like, I don't know, your friend, a family member, boyfriend, girlfriend, etc. say, you know, let's go get some pizza and you have a tomato allergy. That's not really going to work out. So it's important to take the person in your life with allergies 
into consideration when it comes to eating out or just eating occasions in general, like social gatherings and stuff. So I know one of my really good friends, Gianna, if you're listening to this, hey, but she does a really great job at being considerate when we go out to eat, like obviously pre-corona and making sure that the restaurant was friendly towards my allergen or allergens so it would just be nice to check in with the person in your life who has allergies when you are trying to go out and eat with them just to make sure that their health needs are being met and it shows that you care about them because like I said you show that you care about their allergies that means you care about their health and that shows that you care about them as a person and that there is true friendship. So just keep that in mind when you are going out to eat with someone who has allergies. Another question that a lot of people say is, well, can't you just take some medicine and then eat it? Okay, so we all know over-the-counter allergy medications exist. They are wonderful things. I use them all the time. I like Benadryl and Allegra like the next person. But if there's a severe allergic reaction, those types of medications wouldn't be able to help and to be honest sometimes those medications can't even fully help me with my severe seasonal allergies so like for me for example benadryl works for me but it doesn't fully work for me if that makes sense so like there have been times where i've taken it on time but it didn't provide any sort of relief for my symptoms and it feels like i didn't even take the medicine and if you guys know you know because that's the absolute worst feeling ever when you take allergy medicine and you're like yeah it's gonna work and then it doesn't and then you may feel like five times more miserable than before you even had the medicine yeah so don't ask that question because for people who have allergies we just simply avoid the allergen we're not gonna just take some medicine pre like beforehand you know this is not being lactose intolerant it's not like i'm gonna take a lactate and then let me have some ice cream that's not how it works if you have an allergy that's not how it works. Another question that it this just this this question that I'm about to say it absolutely sends me guys because it just gives me a story. So I have a story to tell you with this question. So this question is, well, if you can't eat this, then why are you eating that? Okay, so I remember when I was gluten free for health reasons back when I was in like elementary primary school and at the school I was at at the time, the girls in my class would like constantly be concerned with what I was doing for whatever reason, you know, and then some other things happen with them like bullying and stuff. I don't really want to get into my old childhood experiences, but I remember when I, I think I was either eating like sweet potato wedges or eating french fries or something like that at school for lunch one day, and one girl was like, you can't eat potatoes because there's gluten in them, and I was like, what in the world are you talking about? Potatoes are gluten-free. And the funny thing was that these little girls thought that they were telling me about myself and thought that they were like some expert on being gluten-free. And I told my mom this when I got home from school that day and she like laughed and was like, they don't even know what they're talking about. So please, for the love of allergies, don't try to play doctor or allergist with your friends, your family your loved ones, just, you don't want to go down that road, trust, because usually you'll end up looking stupid, because they know more about their allergy than you probably do, especially if you don't have it, so just, you don't want to go down that road, you just don't, trust me, you just don't, and there's this other statement that 
people get the times and it's really one of the rudest things you could probably say to someone that has allergies because it just sounds very 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 insensitive and it's this is such an inconvenience you're being so difficult about this it's just a food allergy now this right here and this has been said to me before this makes me so upset and so 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 annoyed because my first response to this would be it's an inconvenience that you're a butthole about this and that's because we don't choose to have food allergies or any type of allergy period because I'm pretty sure if we all had that choice we wouldn't choose to have allergies you know and it's just so frustrating hearing people sound so entitled and mean and just plain old rude about that and I think that if people start to learn more about allergies, allergic reactions, and more importantly, anaphylaxis and how allergies can quickly turn into a life or death situation due to an anaphylactic reaction and having, sev and having severe allergies, people will start to understand where people with allergies are coming from and that it will finally start to sink into people's brains and be like, wait, this is really serious. Now, even though you may not have bad intentions when asking any of these types of questions or making any of these types of statements that I talked about in this episode, it's really important to realize that words leave lasting effects and words are powerful little bombs, you know, and you have to be gentle with your approach to kids with allergies, teens with allergies, young adults and college students to have allergies, adults with allergies, and especially parents of allergic kids. And if you don't know what to do, just offer your help, your support, an ear to listen, and just a shoulder to lean on because that's just what you should do if you don't know what to do because that really all just goes a very, very, very long way because it shows that you care it shows that you want to learn and it shows that you want to be able to help that person any way that you can because there's a lot of instances where when you have food allergies or any allergy for that matter you tend to feel alone a lot because you feel like a lot of people just don't understand where you're coming from and how serious that they are and there's so many people that are that tend to have like a dismissive approach to people that have food allergies when they're dealing with them. Like they just don't want to invite them out, period. They just don't want to hang out with them and have it where they go out to eat with them and do social things like that because it's just easier for them, as they would say. And it really just hurts that person in the end that has food allergies because they are a regular person that has feelings and for you to just write them off is just really rude and wrong. So I think that the more that people become more educated in the space of food allergies, learning about different types of allergies, especially the top nine, and learning about anaphylaxis, you know, learning about how there can be instances where people have severe allergies and how it can quickly go to a life or death situation very quickly, and what you should do if you are friends with someone and you are there with them when they have a reaction in those types of situations will be really helpful for everybody involved, especially because like I said in the allergy news article, there are 32 million Americans who deal with allergies, just period. And 
based off of, you know, different households, you know, making it where their whole household is going that way and is having an allergy free diet, you know, that has made the number go from 32 to 85. So more and more people are starting to integrate allergy free and allergen friendly products into their households. You know, you have to keep that in mind when you're interacting with your friends and family and loved ones who have allergies that you can't just write them off. You have to be considerate of them. And especially if it's someone that you know, and that's someone that you say that you care about you would I would think that you would want to learn about something that is a part of them and something that could quickly turn into a life or death situation for that person if it's not handled the right way and if you're with them you're going to want to make sure that you know what you should do in case they get into an anaphylactic reaction when you're with them at a restaurant, what to do, you know, where they keep their EpiPen at, you know, and how to be able to, you know, give them the medicine and the EpiPen and, you know, do it in their leg and all that other type of stuff and give them the rundown of that. So I hope you all found this episode very interesting and helpful. If you are not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss out on great conversations like this one. And there are three ways you can support the podcast. Like I said, you can subscribe to the podcast, rate and review the podcast on iTunes and Apple Podcasts as it helps with growing the Oh My Allergies community and sharing the podcast with people that you know and people that you don't know. So for those of you who have allergies, I hope this episode resonates with you and that you were able to relate to this episode. Be sure to send this episode to your loved ones if you have allergies so that they can learn what you should not say to someone with allergies. And if you are someone who doesn't have allergies per se, but wants to learn more about how to be an ally and want to learn how to not talk to someone with allergies, Thank you so much for listening to this episode. This is a great step in the right direction to learning more about allergies and learning about why you should take them seriously, whether you have them or not, or whether you know people who have them or not. You know, we tend to be not as concerned about things unless they start to affect our personal lives and our inner circle, but we've learned in this year alone that it takes a combination of those affected and allies in order to see real change in our world. So we need to take that same approach with allergies and allergy awareness and just all around allergy education. So like I said, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, rate and review our show, share the podcast with someone you know and you don't know. I dare all of you to share the Oh My Allergies podcast with at least five people today when you're listening to this episode. And I will talk with you all in the next episode. Bye, guys.